Hey, this is Pastor David. Thanks for plugging in today. I believe that this word from God will encourage you, challenge you, and help direct you toward your destiny. A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said, that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and understanding, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get right into the word. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave his son for us, Jesus the Lord. Who can love us like he does? No one at all. Oh, how we love you, Lord. Hey, 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 friends. It's Pastor Tanya here with the one and only Pastor David Vidal. Thank you very much. We're here in the podcast studio talking about a different breed, mm-hmm. the message that he released this Sunday. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, go back, listen to it, follow the link and uh, get it in you. So let's just get right into this. You had said being born again is it's more than a heartfelt prayer at the altar. And it may start that way, but something miraculous happens within the heart of an individual who truly submits themselves to the Lordship of Jesus. Yeah, it's more than that moment at the altar. It's more than, and that is a moving moment. I don't want to take away from that. That is a, it's a really profound and moving experience. It's the catalyst that kind of sets our trajectory for the, for the born-again lifestyle, but it doesn't end there. It just, that's, that's just the tipping point. It's amazing to me that, yep, this is just the beginning. So far, we've learned the foundation of the born-again and then how to make my journey with God part of my everyday lifestyle. So in this episode, I'd like to talk about the dichotomy between unity in the spirit and Jesus, the stumbling block, because honestly, at face value, it does seem like a contradiction. Yeah, it really does. Uh, we, we think about what love looks like. We think about uh, how, you know, love doesn't really look like division. Love looks like we're all kind of getting along and moving toward the same end. And it would seem that God wants us to be that tight, wants us to be that connected. And so when we talk about division as, as a face of love, this reality that we walk in, it can be very difficult to reconcile that with the truth of God's Word. But if you think about how Jesus said there's, there's these two pathways— Right, one path is wide, and and easy to get on, and tons and tons of people are on it. And there's this other path, and this other path is narrow, and only a few people are on that path. And we say yes and amen to that mm-hmm. because it's truth. That's division. Mm-hmm. That's a major division, right? And in John fifteen eighteen, it says that the world hated. Jesus first, mm-hmm. that it, it hated him first. That's what we've got to understand, that he is the originator of the, it's not you, it's me, <laughs> right? He, he yeah. it, it hated him first. He says that he's the stumbling block. Mm-hmm. He says that, uh, you remember that famous quote? He says, who is my mother and my brother? Mm-hmm. Who, who, who is my family? Those, those who, who worship the Lord, those who serve the Lord, those are my, that's my mother, that's my brother, that, that's my family. And then he says, from now on, it will be father against son, and mother against daughter, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. In a house of five, it's going to be split. Three are going to be one way, and two are going to be another way. Yeah. I mean, it's, he says that. That's in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. The, so the world loves sin. So here are these two 
kind of major facts that that you that you must understand when you're talking about this this dichotomy between the unity of the spirit and Jesus as a stumbling block, the the divider. Mm-hmm. Here are these two facts. First of all, the world hated him first. Mm-hmm. It it hates him first. And second, that the world loves sin. So we've got love and hate both from the world's perspective, right? The world loves sin and the world hates Jesus. Those are the important things to consider when you're you're thinking about this supposed contradiction because those who walk in righteousness cause those who walk in sin to feel convicted. Mm-hmm. In the face of holiness, it makes me feel judged like we were talking about in the last last couple of episodes, like I'm being un, unduly criticized. And that person will immediately look to the person who they're feeling judged by and say, oh, well, your life isn't so different. You don't do things so much differently. They're going to look for hypocrisy. They're going to look for all of these these reasons, not because they're mad at you, but because they want to justify their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Their lifestyle is being threatened by your act of holiness. Your holiness highlights the darkness within others. And that is uncomfortable. Yeah. And this is one of those things that we talked about, you know, these supposed negative things that you need to be prepared for as a Christian when you make Jesus your Lord and Savior and you become born again. You need to now understand that your lifestyle, your pursuit of holiness, not everybody's going to be down with that. And it's actually going to make some people feel very uncomfortable and could put you at odds with other people. This is the born-again life that we must be prepared for, divided from the pack and equally prepared to receive and be part of the family of God, to be part of his kingdom. That is strangely comforting, knowing that. It's funny that you said it's, it's a supposed negativity because it does seem like it would be negative from the outside looking in, but we're on the inside. It's also that point in which outsiders call Christians a cult mm. because we we do attach to this family of God. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we don't want to be equally as attached to our former friends or our family members who aren't born again yet. We probably want to be attached to them in an even greater way, but we can't. Because we are in this new family. We've been engrafted. We've been adopted into God's family. And that in no way, shape, or form is saying that you shouldn't be available to your family and you shouldn't love your family. You shouldn't respect your family. All those things are absolutely mandatory. Those, those are, are uh, black and white issues in the Bible. Mm-hmm. We've got to treat our families right. Also understanding that we are now part of a family of God. And that family has its own dynamic, and that family has its own place in your heart and, and in your life. Mm. And so I would just tell our listeners, if you know, you've got somebody in your life who's doesn't, who just doesn't understand what this life is, with you, why you care so much about going to church all of a sudden, why you want to worship, why your, your wardrobe is changing, why your, your movie and music media tastes are changing, and you know, they're like, oh, this... This seems like something cultish. Who's, who's doing this? You know, it's your pursuit of something that you love. When you love something, it, it changes. It will cause change in the, in the way that you behave. For example, here's a real easy one. When I first started jujitsu, 
I, I liked it and then I loved it. And then when I loved it, things really started changing in my life. I started changing the way I ate. I started changing not only the foods that I ate, but my sleeping patterns and my workout habits. And I changed all these things and nobody questioned that because it wasn't done in the, the name of something religious, right? As soon as you put God in the mix, now people want to throw that in because they hate him, right? It's, it's a hate for the things of God. And I know that seems like a, such a strong word and it sounds so sharp when I say it that way because nobody really fancies themselves as a person who hates something because it's, it's so negative and it's so strong. But if you don't love the things of God, you hate them. There's right. no fence sitting, right? You're, you're either with it or you're, you're not with it. And not with it doesn't necessarily come with any judgment, but you can get with it any time that, that you like. Okay, so let's look at this scenario. Joe, he's raised in a good family. It's just not a Christian family. So Joe seeks, he finds God, Joe becomes born again. Okay. Now, even though Joe's an adult, this new relationship with God, it puts him at odds with his family who are unbelievers. They're still a good family, they're just an unbelieving family. So how should Joe treat them? How should Joe act toward them? That's a really good question because this is a very real scenario. So first of all, good job, Joe. <laughs> right? you, made, you made a good decision. Oh, Joe. You, yeah, you did, you did the good thing. So the, the first thing that I would counsel Joe if he came to me and explained to me that, you know, hey, I'm part of this loving family. My, my family's quite nice and quite lovely. Um, but they're not, they're not Christians. They're good people, but they're not, they're not believers, but I am. And now there's friction between us, right? Cause like at the dinner table, I'm telling them about Jesus and they're like, they're not down with it, you know, but, but I am, and I want them to be excited. And, and so the first thing that I would tell Joe is that he needs to understand that the friction is not between him and his family. Mm -hmm. The, the friction is between his family and Jesus, Right? It goes back to this underlying point, and that point is that the world hates Jesus first. Right, It's not you, it's me. And since we're the recipient of that hate here and now, it's really difficult to not take that personally. And when we do take it personally, it changes the way that we interact with people. As Christians, we need to to make sure that we're not taking things personally. It's not me. You're mad at Jesus. The friction isn't between Joe and his family. The friction is between his family and Jesus. Wow, that's, that's big. Yeah, it's really, really helpful information. Mm. And if you can get past the initial shock and awe of somebody coming against you, and realize that, oh, they're not really actually coming against me. And I'm not talking about, see, we, when we get this truth, people can take this to an unhealthy place. Mm -hmm. And they can crawl up on top of a pedestal and be like, oh, I'm such a martyr for Christ. I'm just right. taking all this Persecuted. abuse. Yeah, I'm just taking all this abuse for Christ. And that's, that's, not, that's not what it is, yeah. right? You're, no, Jesus isn't interested in your pity party. Right. <laughs> you know? So understand, Joe, you got to understand that your parents aren't, they're, they're, not, they're not coming against you. They love their lifestyle. They love the thing that they're, that they're doing. What, even if they're good people, I'm not talking about, you know, oh, we like to murder people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just your average person who they're a good, kind person who just making their way through the world, 
they love what they do and, and recognize, every human recognizes that a relationship with Jesus calls us to a higher place. It calls us to a lifestyle change. It calls us to a change in morality. It, it, it demands, you know, if, if Jesus isn't your Lord, he's not your savior. Right. And so it's almost better in that fact that, that people realize that because then you'd get a bunch of people who say, oh yeah, I'll take Jesus as my savior, but they never actually make him their Lord. You have to make Jesus your Lord, and therein lies the rub. Right now, I have, I can't. It can't be about my way. It can't be about what I think or what I want or how I feel. It's now about what Jesus says, what Jesus taught. It's His truth. It's not my truth anymore. Right. It's His. It's His truth. Right. And I say my truth with sarcastic air quotes because right. my truth doesn't actually exist. Right. Right. That's just a figment of my own grid. I actually liked that you said in your message that there's one truth. It's the truth. And you don't get to pick. I was like, that's going to hit a lot of people, but it's truth and it's good. It's so good. And yeah. that quote was just so good. I'll probably write it down and um, like post it, note it all right. over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your option is to believe the truth or not believe the truth. Yes. And not to make up your own truth. Exactly. That's not one of your options. Exactly. Right? Reminds me of one of those stories when you had a confrontation with Raiden and he begged you for more choices. Right? <laughs> you said, you've got two choices. He didn't like either of them. <laughs> and he cried to you and he said, I want more choices. And you're like, well, I'm sorry. Those, <laughs> what you get. those are the choices that you get. So the, the, first thing I would, the first thing I would tell a guy in this situation, Joe, in our example, the first thing I would tell him is, is that don't take it personally. Don't be so easily offended. The, the friction's not between you. If you get offended, look, the enemy likes nothing more than to monkey with relationships. Oh, right. Loves to get in the middle of relationships and get, get people thrown off and, and at odds with one another. And when I get offended and I defend my position and I'm so desperate to be right, like Joe would be right if he told his parents, you guys are going to hell and I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to go to heaven and you need Jesus to go to heaven. Those things are right. Mm -hmm. They're true. But said void of love said in a way that's confrontational, it's not going to be received the way Joe wants it and will actually be counterproductive to the pursuit of his family's salvation. Mm. So if he first steps back and says, okay, the friction isn't between us. The friction is between you and this call to a, a higher lifestyle. Now I can relate with that person. Now I can, now I can get that. I, I understand that feeling. Yeah. The second thing that I would tell him is to handle controversial subjects with tact and grace. We spend so much time with our families and they know us, right? They 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 know who we are, they know where we've been, you know, they know our struggles in life, you know, because we spent we spend so much time with them. And so it's it's not always easy. You know, the Bible says a prophet is welcome everywhere except his hometown. Mm -hmm. And so it's not always easy, it's not impossible. But it's not always easy to explain to somebody, hey, this happened to me yesterday, and, and now I'm a different person. So when you're talking with your family, it's very important to recognize controversial subjects, things that you're like, okay, I've got these two choices in front of me. If I choose path A, it's going to lead to a huge argument. If I choose path B, I feel like I'm discrediting myself. I'm not being true to myself. So where's the middle ground? Mm. You know, so that's what I'm talking about. Just about treading lightly. Also use, use tact, right? You, you don't want to go and, and drop some kind of a faith bomb in the middle of a, of a holiday dinner when you got a bunch of people and you know, it's going to cause a riot, you know, it's going to cause a, a big to do. 
that's not wise. That's not the right time. You're not being, you're not neglecting your faith. You're not, you're not denying Jesus by not causing an argument with your family over Thanksgiving meal. Right. You're actually working this whole other realm of becoming a fisher of men, knowing how to fish. You know, nobody jumps into the water and, and starts slapping around in the water and be like, get into my net. No, <laughs> yell, the fish are going to scatter. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Wyoming, we have some of the best fishing in the nation. Mm-hmm. And I've been with fishermen who literally belly crawl from about 50 yards from the bank. Will belly crawl. It's just slow, slow, slow. It'll take them 10 minutes to get to the bank. And then they'll belly crawl up the bank a little bit. And then they'll slowly sit up and pull out their rod and get things ready to go. All because they know that this particular fish is keen to movement. Is They know they're watching the bank and they, they don't want to scare off these fish. And, and so it's not always that way. Sometimes you can just walk up to a bank and you know throw your line in and, and catch some fish. And that's always really fun. The point is a good angler knows how to fish. A good angler knows when he's supposed to belly crawl. He knows when he's supposed to be silent. Mm-hmm. He knows when he can be jovial and make noise and, you know, talk with his buddies and, you know, shares casting secrets and all, all those things. You need to handle these controversial subjects with tact and, and grace. Mm. The third thing that I would tell Joe is to allow his life to play out before them as a witness to his new life in Christ. Mm. And I kind of mentioned a little bit of that earlier where I said, uh, you know, hey, I was I was born again yesterday. Now I'm a different person. Well, your family has all this, all these years in with you. Right. And they're like, they've seen you do fads, right? They've, yeah. they've seen you go through style fads and attitude fads and, mm-hmm. you know, cool word fads, you know, all, all those things. So like, this is the next coolest word and your parents don't know what, the, what even you're saying, you know? <laughs> so they see you go through all these things and your family are, are going to, and it's good in this way. They're, they're going to keep you accountable to is this real is this a real change mm-hmm. like are, has this has this really happened so understand in your example joe is an adult and so joe's got a whole life that he led with his family and living one way so it's going to take some time it could take weeks it could take months it could even take years for him to just allow some time to grow and mature in the spirit and and just allow his life to play out as a witness before them. And the last thing that I would tell uh, a guy in this situation, the last thing that I would tell Joe is to pray for his family and look for opportunities to share the gospel. Now, notice I said look for opportunities to share the gospel mm-hmm. and not look for opportunities to argue with his family. Right. Okay? That would be the Thanksgiving dinner. Right. There's a huge difference there because the gospel is good news and nobody's going to argue over good news, right? If you come home, let's say you went shopping today and you came home and you were like, hey, I found all this stuff and it was on sale. I'd be like, that's really good news. That would not typically spark an argument right. in our house. Like, how dare you find a good sale? You should have waited for the better sale. You know, like, th- that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I would just congratulate you for finding something awesome and then celebrate your good news. So the good news of Christ is that too. It should be celebratory. It, right. It's done in an, in an opportunity or in, in a way that is it's in a positive light, always in a positive light. 
God is in a good mood. He loves you. He loves his people. And, and he, he wants to be that source of optimism and positivity in our lives. And so we have to pray for our families and allow the Holy Spirit to make room for those opportunities. We just pray and hold up our families before God, whether it's us or somebody else, there's going to be opportunities that, were, that are created. In, in Christian circles, we call them divine appointments. Mm-hmm. There'll be divine appointments where you can share the gospel in a way that's not threatening and not judgmental and not condemning, and it's, it's this truth in love. They're, it's a hard truth, but it's delivered in love. It's delivered in great care. It's delivered in... I care so much about you and I value this relationship so much that I don't want to argue with you about about anything, but there's these truths that I want you to know and know that they're coming from a place of care and a place of love and, and, and a place of not, I'm not trying to be right and I'm not trying to convince myself that I'm right by getting a bunch of other people to agree with me. Mm. The truth is Jesus saved my life and I'm going to heaven when I die and I can't stand the thought of living in eternity without you in it. That's really good. We can experience great unity within the body of Christ, and we want our families to experience that too. We can't get mad at blind people for being blind because not long ago we were blind too. And this just reminds me that God promises us that love never fails. Never fails. So thank you, Pastor Dave, for sharing your wisdom. If you haven't listened to a different breed, Follow the link, go to the YouTube, check it out, A Different Breed, get it inside you, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening. Without your faithful support, we wouldn't be able to do the work that God has called us to. If you know someone who would be blessed by what you just heard, please pass this along. At Strong Tower, we believe that you are a unique expression of God's love and creativity, and we consider it an honor to be a part of your journey. There's no one like-